0: Edition of Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that no one asked for. but we did anyway. I'm your host, your bus driver, your lift down Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined on the line as I am every two weeks by Stagger Lee Malone. How are you, my friend?
1: Hello, hello. Uh, I'm not too bad. Obviously, just got done recording the previous episode. Not to mm. break the fourth wall too much. Um, but yeah, not too bad.
0: Yeah, things have mellowed, we're on to the second beer of the evening. Um, Things are a little bit more mellow, um, so hopefully we won't get our dander up as much about this programme, but we shall see. I I have gotten the tease off you that you had plenty to say.
1: I have plenty to say about this
0: show. Okay, so we'll see how that rolls. Uh, Without further ado, shall we just get into it, my friend?
1: Let's get into it.
0: Uh, Thunder episode 7 February 19th 1998 coming from and say this one 10 times fast the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Centre Coliseum in Birmingham Alabama that is by far the fucking longest name for an arena we have had on this program uh, but we're there nonetheless our tour of the Bible belt continues can, uh, can, I, can I just say that this show took place two days
1: before my 12th birthday
0: Ah. The, did, were you watching at this period? I know you weren't. Sure, you didn't see a lot of thunder. Uh, so you were, you were spared this ruining your birthday.
1: I was probably not watching thunder, but I was definitely watching wrestling. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The fucking 1998, 12th birthday. I was. I was actually thinking today. I was trying to remember what I got for my 12th birthday, and I can't think of anything that stands out.
0: Yeah. Well, retroactively, you're getting a poor wrestling show for your 12th birthday here. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, any wrestling in ID and ID 8 was good. So, you know, you have to weigh it up that way.
0: What was your... Here we go. Um, This is just a a kind of little icebreaker for the program. Get us settled back in to proceedings. Um, Best and worst wrestling-related presents you've ever received.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Because that's a real high-ceiling, low-floor sort of thing. Because... Obviously we both loved wrestling growing up But mm-hmm. obviously uh, a lot of our relatives Who may have bought us presents growing up Wouldn't have a fucking clue about wrestling So there's always the the possibility Of uh, them getting it massively wrong
1: Okay so the Best present I ever received And I still have them They're up in Connor's room as we speak right now Yeah, are My wrestling buddies Hey I got a Hulk Hogan And an Ultimate No a Macho Man sorry Macho Man Wrestling Buddy Um, I wanted them um, when I I think I got them when I was six maybe so you're talking like 1992 like right at the peak well over here it was the peak of the Hulkamania era Mm. because like we we had all that um, merch around then around SummerSlam 92 and all that Um, but I do know the story behind getting them my uncle had to buy them in New York where he lived at the time Right. And send them via post to Ireland. And I got them as a Christmas present. Hmm. The worst present I have ever got. See, I don't know, because my relatives never bought me wrestling stuff. Yeah. Um, I tried, like, anything that my parents would have bought me wasn't bad, because they kind of, they asked me. Yeah. Um, but, was there anything bad? Uh I don't think so. I mean, you you were there when Jamie gave me the uh, Big Japan DVD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure which, I I, 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 which I actually still haven't watched. I really should. But uh, even that, that's not bad. That was a very welcome gift from Jamie. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I've ever gotten anything actually bad. What about you?
0: So, um, I... The best would be I think it was for my 10th birthday my mom made a little bit of a big deal about me turning the big one o, mm-hmm. so I got a bit of a wrestling bonanza um, I got two wrestling figures of my two fave boys of the time uh, one Kurt Angle and one Chris Jericho nice um, so that was awesome because I had, had I actually had a WCW Nitro ring that was the, the ring I had for my my, my wrestling toys uh, and I used to, I remember I used to fucking like book out matches, uh, using stills on my Game Boy camera, uh, <laughs> when I was like nine or 10 years old, that'll take me fucking back. Um, and then in a, in accompaniment to the, um, the old wrestling figures, I got, uh, two belts. I got the, the, fo- the foam belts of the, the intercontinental championship, which is my low key favorite title and big blue. Um, which I think at least one of those is probably in the attic somewhere. That's I know, fun. I know. I'd eventually with my pocket money get the European title as well. I don't know what fucking possessed me to get the European title and not like the hardcore belt or the tag belts or something. Well,
1: by buying that title, you are probably recognised as a European title holder.
0: I would, I would hope so.
1: <laughs> I will say that. Whereas you used your GameCube uh, camera, is that what you said for booking out your shows? Uh, the
0: Game the the Game Boy camera. Oh,
1: Game Boy camera. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Obviously, you know me. I don't know that much about games. Yeah. So getting GameCube and Game Boy confused is totally on. Uh, yeah. Expected with me.
0: What was your uh, one? Your your Sega the, Mega Ball. Sega Mega Ball match in OTT. Yeah. <laughs> Still tickles me. <laughs>
1: um. I used to do it old school I would write names out on a piece of paper tear that paper up crumple it into a ball and put it in a hat and do a random draw to do a tournament with my wrestling figures
0: (laughs) Uh, we used to myself and my cousin used to fantasy book pay-per-views on No Mercy 64 on the N64 oh cool uh, where you used to be able to actually build out a full pay-per-view card Mm -hmm. on that and um we uh, we would do little match programs out of our school copybooks on it, and you know design logos and shit like that. Yeah, we were real fucking geeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that bonanza of figures and foam belts was probably my my best present. Mm-hmm. Um, my worst, and I've been trying to I'm stalling because I was trying to look up if I can see if I can get the the actual uh, results here, but um. For an early Christmas present One year um, I got Tickets to go see The company that wasn't quite WCW and wasn't quite NWA It was the (laughs) WWA Did you Um, go? I did Uh, I believe it was this card The 28th of November 2002 I'll be able to tell you Um, Jeff Jarrett was in the main event. He had to be um. Yeah, I think it was this one. Was it no? No, I actually think it was the year before. Hold on, but um, I remember. So the version of <laughs> the advertisement that I initially saw that had me hyped up was that like Ken Shamrock was with these lads, and okay. I was like, yeah "Fucking yeah!" Uh, Ken Shamrock did not show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was not on this show at all but it was the one occasion in my life where i saw one bret hart who obviously wasn't wrestling at this stage but he was um i oh yeah, i found the card but he was like the commissioner of WWE. so i got to high five bret hart Oh, that's
1: uh, cool
0: which was cool as he was coming out i kind of ran down to the the railing and and kind of high-fived him <laughs> as he went past um but wait till I, wait till I read yet. This is like... This will explain my trauma and why I would voluntarily do something like this This, this podcast. <clears throat> the WWA International Cruiserweight title match. You'll recognize a familiar name or two on this, I bet, from our program. Juventud mm-hmm. uh, Guerrera defeats Psychosis.
1: That's a good match.
0: A black wedding match as Gangrel defeats Luna. Uh, Okay. A tables match, Crowbar defeats Norman Smiley.
1: And. Um, okay.
0: A singles match, Brian Christopher defeats the Disco Inferno. Jesus. A tag team match. <coughs> oh my god. Sorry, I haven't looked at this card since I was actually at it, I don't think. And I cannot believe one of the names in this tag team match who I saw, and to, to this moment, it hadn't twigged at me that he would later be a WWF guy. Or WWE guy. Lenny Lane and Lodi were defeated by the team of Conan and the Colossus of Bogger Road himself, Nathan Jones. You mean he didn't get drunk before the match? No, he didn't. He made it out for this tag <laughs> match. Uh, a singles match to Titans in 2001 as Buff Bagwell defeated Stevie Ray. And funny, you should mention them earlier on, the WWE World Heavyweight title match, Jeff Jarrett defeats the Road Dog.
1: That, oh God, okay.
0: Yeah. So like, I loved it at the time, like the idea of going to the wrestling and seeing these guys I'd only seen on TV to this point. I hadn't been to a WWE house show uh, at this stage. So it was cool getting to see wrestling live for the first time in my life, but it was horrendous in terms of quality. That that sounds horrible horrible absolutely horrible yeah
1: and um,
0: so that that the, explains why i am the way i
1: am okay do you know that i went to a wcw show
0: I, do you i think you mentioned this in passing once before uh, will, we, will we talk about that very briefly before we we move on yeah so i would very luckily
1: and i only have vague scant memories of this <laughs>
0: is it that you're very lucky to have scant memories of it yeah,
1: that as well <laughs> um, I attended a WCW show in Dublin in 1993 wow so I would have been just turned uh, 93 so 7 huh um, it was Paddy's Day in in uh, 1993 right and I I got to see Vader defeat Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight title wow Okay. Would you like to hear the rest of this epic card? Go on. While we're here. (laughs) Johnny B. Bad defeated one Scotty Flamingo.
0: Oh, a math classic, I'm sure.
1: Scotty Flamingo, who, of course, would go on to become Raven.
0: Yeah. Uh, Johnny Polo himself.
1: Van Hammer, who also was part of the flock, uh, would pin Max Payne. Right. The WCW United States champion, Dustin Rhodes, fought the NWA... The natural. World, the, the natural himself, fought the NWA world champion, Barry Wyndham to a no contest. Do
0: you know, I'd say that was probably alright.
1: I'd imagine it was. Yeah. I have no memory of it, of course. Yeah. But, uh, I
0: don't imagine you at that age would have necessarily appreciated it, but I'd say it was alright.
1: Uh, Davey Boy
0: Smith defeated
1: one Vinny Vegas... Savage, uh, WCW TV champion Paul Orndorff defeated Michael Hayes.
0: Of course he did. Rick Rude pinned Cactus Jack. Huh. You got to see Cactus Jack live. That would that that makes the like so young uh, me very jealous of you.
1: And then obviously in the main event, Fader defeats Sting. So a seven-year-old me got to see Mark Merrow Raven, Dustin Rhodes who become Goldust, Barry yeah. Wyndham. The British Bulldog Kevin Nash Michael Hayes Rick Rude Mick Foley Vader and Sting
0: Mad Absolutely mad Uh, Yeah I've been slowly trying to get together like all the old cards I've been to and all the cards Mm -hmm. from like shows I go to now and put them together in a spreadsheet to see like some of the crazy ass wrestlers I didn't think I'd seen but actually have seen and stuff like that and it's Mm -hmm. been it's been a slow process because stuff like that the, the WWA card, I managed to find that on Cage Match eventually but some of those house shows I've been to over the years, not very well documented um, so Some week I'll come out with all the WCW talent I have seen in one guise or another
1: I can't believe you've seen Conan
0: Yeah, I think I've seen Conan, I want to say I've seen Conan more than once uh, or I've seen him like maybe manage or, or something
1: I feel like I should apologise to you for
0: that yeah yeah it is all your fault (laughs) Um, anyway we can't we can't stall any longer let's talk episode 7 of Thunder let's go Uh, the lads are usually our usual commentary team kicking things off Uh, they're hyping up the tension between the WCW and NWO great more of that Uh, Sting versus Macho Man in the main event cool Uh,
1: no not cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so outraged that staying against
0: Randy Savage is main event in thunder three yeah. days before a pay-per-view yeah yeah like in one sense yes in the grand well, let's put it this way in the grand scheme of how a smart company should plan things terrible in terms of I just want something to make me feel like I need to get through these two hours great <laughs> and then w- w- look we'll get to what happens <laughs> yeah um actually we get to what happens immediately uh we cut to tonight and jericho backstage and before we even find out why that fucking interview is happening uh, it's immediately interrupted by the nwo bum-rushing savage and lex on the street outside this is this is from earlier today so the fans are all outside in the street the nwo run past the interview and attack lex and savage um quick question here lee i don't know if you noticed this why in the name of Jesus were both of these men outside on the street in broad daylight in their gear, bearing in mind that in their gear for Lex Luger consists of very small speedos?
1: Okay, so in their contracts, when they set down, <laughs> Nick Lambrose. <laughs> the,
0: the Ambrose back here. Uh, I have no explanation for this. Um, it looked like, okay, so Savage's gear pretty much is like a shirt. He's got his his tights with his tassels on it. It doesn't look that weird.
1: Now, to be fair, I can imagine Randy Savage going to a 7-Eleven in his gear and buying like a Slurpee and something else.
0: Why are all these men too sweet in each other as they beat the shit out of a guy and people cheer for us?
1: <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and you know what? We
0: haven't even mentioned the most outrageous part. Go on. Mike Tanay's leather jacket. Oh, my God. Uh, Some of uh, Mike Tanay's sartorial choices so far on this show have been ace, to say the least. (laughs) It's a
1: very da leather jacket. It's baggy. It's, like, off-brown colour. Yeah. It just... It's very... Very snazzy.
0: It follows that, like, 90s trend where clothes were both too big in certain parts and too small in others. And it's 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 good stuff. There, there's some very questionable wardrobe selections on this show. Absolutely. Um, Fit Finlay versus Goldberg is our uh, opening contest. Hoo boy. Uh, Finlay <laughs> attacks him with his jacket uh, to start the match to get the advantage on Billy Big Time. Uh big boot sees to this mm-hmm. uh, we get a, a brutal looking gorilla press into a gut buster uh, Finley attempts to fire up a few times and hit him but it just makes Bill mad again um, the, the crowd for this I will say so the Glacier match from last week we raved about it was the best Goldberg match we have seen to this point this match wasn't that match but the crowd were reacting like it was <laughs> Oh, the crowd were fucking
1: molten. Now, maybe it's because it was the first match of the show. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just because it's Goldberg. I don't know. Yeah.
0: This was a very hot crowd all night, it is worth noting.
1: But yeah, no, they, they were they were standing for most of this match. Not that it lasted very long, but they were yeah. up on their feet and they knew what was coming.
0: Fin- Finley attempts to get Goldberg into a sleeper. Goldberg gets mad and just tosses him over his head across the ring. Uh, a fantastic looking spear not number one mm-hmm. mind you but a good spear jackhammer three count Grant that it kind of it didn't outstay its welcome it was exactly what it needed to be
1: the, the formula is so simple and it works so well yeah
0: and it never gets boring mm-hmm. uh, our next match Sicosis versus Chavo Guerrero at this point it is revealed that Tanay is tasked to find out why Savage and Lex were talking so this is the kind of thread running through the whole night is obviously Savage, at least nominally an MWO member at this point, hasn't officially left the group. And Lex, uh, one of WCW's big stars, were talking outside. What was the context? How How long had they been there for? These were all subjects repeatedly up for discussion over the night, and poor Mike Tanay was the poor, was the fucker that was assigned to go around the building and sniff out the truth behind it. Uh, Twitch Brain says, if anyone can find out, it's him, because he's so nosy, which felt a little bit more of a pointed critique than needed be, I think.
1: Well, I think uh, Brain and Tanay and Shivani were, like, all very good pals around this time, so... Yeah. Brain felt free to take shots at will at them. Oh, he,
0: he absolutely he, he fucking relished the opportunity here. Um, uh,
1: there was nine matches on the show, nine full matches on the show. Yeah, and throughout every single match, all they do was talk about is Savage and Luger.
0: Yeah, this is incredibly. I, like, I said it. They, I, I said it last week for one of the matches. I find I've always found when commentators are incredibly distracted it distracts me Mm -hmm. and I don't like it at all Um, but this this was the first week
1: where I actively thought the commentary was bad because they are constantly talking about Savage Luger, NWO Savage Luger, Hogan Savage Luger, NWO, what's it mean Mm. what's this, what's this, today is going to find out, this is going to happen, this is going to happen what did that mean do you, you wonder Is non-stop. it clearly
0: Is it clearly They're like Oh we don't think We've done enough To, to hype up Super Brawl We need to really Like go, lay it on thick uh, All the Quote unquote Intrigue Of what could happen This Sunday I'm not sure Maybe maybe it was Just a go home push And maybe
1: that's all it was But it was It just took away From everything The whole night I thought yeah.
0: Oh no doubt Yeah that I absolutely uh, Felt that as well Um at one point in this match, Sikosis does a really wild dive through the ropes uh, at the corner post and spills out onto the ground. Seacostas uh, wins uh, in a good, ba- a decent back-and-forth match uh, with a guillotine leg drop from the top.
1: Mm-hmm. Pet pain off the angle that started a couple of weeks ago on Thunder.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, Hogan and Eric out next. That portion of the program immediately starts with a well-boss... <laughs> Um and a line in here that for a multitude of reasons uh, that don't need explaining tickled me. Well, boss, you know how Hollywood hates controversy. <laughs> um,
1: I, I will say, uh, I thought Hogan was the same boss, like he was a door to door carpet salesman. Well, boss, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Hogan basically says here, um. He hopes Sting is at his very best because Savage is crazy but he wants just enough left for Sunday. What a noble man he is. Yeah, th- th- this was a classic
1: Hogan and Bischoff that we've seen on every week of Thunder so far.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's the same. It's already, like, this is seven episodes in. It's already getting a bit tedious, I, I think. Um, uh, I, I did
1: enjoy the uh, NWO for his macho sign that was behind Hogan's head for the entirety of the segment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it was a plant either. No. Because I don't, I don't think they're that smart. <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't give them that much credit at all. Um, after this promo, we get a tease for WCW Saturday Night, often one of my favourite parts of the programme because it throws up all sorts of wild match-ups. But actually... A decent episode in Prospect, I think, of Saturday Night this week. So we have, yeah, we have Sting versus Sick Boy, which, um, okay. We have Flair versus Kurt Hennig. And we have the Steiners versus Regal and Taylor. That sounds like a damn good tag match. Yeah, which actually was the first time I was like, I might actually watch an episode of WCW Saturday Night. But uh, by the end of the show, I just didn't want to watch wrestling anymore. (laughs) Um... Then we have Scotty Riggs versus Booker T. Um, we are told that Booker T lost the the title to Martel on Monday, the TV title. Uh, the rematch is Sunday. Again, another case of they switched the title right before the pay-per-view to do the rematch. This is exactly yeah. what they fucking did um, last week with the tag titles. They're doing it again this week, even closer. The whole time here, <laughs> Stagger Lee is repeatedly... Going on about how I was talking to Booker T earlier on and he was telling me that he's developed this new move. He's calling this move the one hundred and tenth Street Slam. Uh, presumably some sort of Harlem reference uh mm-hmm. to to uh to where Harlem is. Um just keeps keeps teasing us. Um Yeah, and I was thinking they were talking about how uh if Booker is going to win this match, right? Um if Booker wins this match, he will get to wrestle... Is it Saturn after
1: it? No, it's uh, on Sunday. At the yeah, pay- yeah, 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 on Sunday. If, if he beats Martell, he then has to face Saturn straight away for the title as well.
0: Yeah, so the, so basically what that means is it sounds like, at least the way they're delivering it, for the pay-per-view, they're either teasing us with having two Booker T matches, yay, or threatening us with two Martel matches. <laughs>
1: That that's exactly what it is, actually. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. Um, uh, yeah. you you mentioned the one hundred and tenth street slam. Yes. Are you aware of what that move is? It's a, is it an Alabama Alabama slam? It's very it's like a spinebuster kind of type move. Yeah. So you can imagine my confusion when Booker T hits this about a minute and a half into the match, and does not get the pin. Yeah. Or even or even attempt to pin.
0: Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the match. Where he goes for the axe kick, that's when Sagar Lee goes, Is this it? Is this the hundred and tenth Street <laughs> Slam? Yeah. It,
1: if he was gonna build up this big, big move, and it's a decent move, it's a good, nice looking spine buster. Yeah. But yeah, they they kind of
0: built up a a, a transitional move, shall we say. Oh. Yeah, it, I just, I, I think, like, I can't put this down to Booker. This is the Lee Marshall or the commentary team as a whole drop the ball on, on this, um, getting the, the move over on commentary. And, you know, I I guess, as you say, not having it, if you're building up the new move and it isn't the, the winning move, then, like...
1: What's the point? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, did you see Lodi's sign that said, Omega, watch and learn?
0: No, I didn't see that. Is he... Is he talking... Is, is he communicating into the future?
1: It, I thought he was talking to the Hardys and... He's
0: talking to the Hardys,
1: yeah. The Omega organisation? Like, it, it confused me very much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, And that is probably the most memorable thing from that match. The, the possibility that Lodi is a time traveller. Maybe that's what the goggles are for. That's making a lot of sense now to me. Anyway. That, that could work. Um well, speaking of time traveling, can
1: you imagine Scotty Riggs on Raw in twenty nineteen?
0: I don't want to. Don't make me. <laughs> well, on the week that we just had the Viking experience. Ah, oh, don't fucking talk to me about that. I haven't actually talked out loud to anybody that yet, and like that's just going to leave me off on a string of cursing for about five minutes. So we're best to move on. Um, well, I,
1: I I could just imagine Scotty with the eye patch. Now. We know how we got the the, the eye injury. Yeah. With the, the devastating drop toe hold into the flat of the chair. Yeah. I can imagine Vince having them come out with, like, a parrot.
0: Just, just constantly And they're going to say that they even had like, it, it's him and a parrot with, like, an even more on-the-nose nickname for that tandem. Something like the depth perception experience or something. <laughs>
1: I was going to say All Scotty talks in Is like R's and R's Like a
0: fucking pirate And yet the parrot Is like totally coherent And Vince is just Trying to like Persuade him To actually get his leg Chopped off And replace it With a peg leg <laughs> Listen brother I think it'd be really good For your career The,
1: the peg leg Fucking Leg drop Or something As a finish yeah.
0: <laughs> The peg leg drop
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you
0: what, though, like you could do worse than a super kick with a peg leg as a finish. That's Devastating.
1: A, I suppose. Would that be an illegal move, though? Unless it's is, it a fo- is it a
0: foreign object if it's a prosthesis? These are questions that you need to be thrown to Michael Ambrose.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Zach
0: Gaon wrestled. Yeah, that's true. And we saw it over WrestleMania weekend, a man with no legs wrestle. That's so, true. you know, stranger things have happened in this world. Uh, our next segment has Mike Tenet uh, going into the treatment room where Lex you know, you could say he's being treated seems like it's mid-massage um, He comes in uh, Lex immediately runs Tony out of the room uh, The segment just ends <laughs> Yeah, he just screams at a man like that's gives, it. Gives a bit of chase For a man who had just been attacked and was presumably immobilised, he fairly leapt up off the treatment table and chased him out of the room um, it's Lex, he's superhuman Yeah, he surely is um, Kidman versus Hoovy is your next match uh, As these lads were coming to the ring I think my single favourite line of commentary And the single greatest lie in seven episodes of WCW Thunder And I quote Lex Luger is as level-headed a man as you will find in this business <laughs> Which says a lot more about the business than it says about anything else yeah, that that's not even close to true, is it? No, that, and, and if it is, then for shame on you, nineties wrestling. Um, <laughs> um, I I did love
1: Heenan's line in the middle of this match about uh, Hoovey losing his mask. So the the commentator is obviously talking about the mask versus title match, a super brawl between Jericho and Hoovy, and talking about the implications of Hoovy's career should he lose his mask and. Marshall and Shivani are obviously very worried about this and Heenan just comes out with this just perfect line, I could care less about his career, I just want to see his bulk
0: Yeah, <laughs> he just Tony cares not, or the Brain cares not for like the, uh, the the culture of masked wrestling in Mexico he just wants to see his face and that's it that's all he wants he's just, he's, he's, he's saying the role of the casual guy sitting on his couch at home going, take the fucking mask off um so uh, we get a tease during this match from the commentators that we hope to hear from the giant on Sunday, who uh, we had thought after that kind of in memoriam segment a couple of weeks ago had passed from this earthly plane. Um, but we we should be hoping to hear from him at Super Brawl. So you know, fork out your cash now, guys. Uh, the match itself is all right. Uh, it finishes with Hoovy absolutely squishing him with a four fifty. Um Kidman was really fucking close to the ropes here.
1: Yeah, he was like Like obviously when you see wrestlers do these like top rope moves and like they, they do position them close to the corner, but I mean it, it was like right underneath them. And yeah. like the way Hoovie delivered a four hundred fifty, it looked like a fucking hurt as yeah. well. Um I love that Heenan always no matter who's talking on comedy and will always react to the Hoovy driver. Yeah, he always lets out like a scream when Hoovy hits it.
0: Yeah, it's it's good. I like I, I like that. And Hoovy is, you know, we we've kind of aired our uh, our issues with Hoovy, but he is kind of like he feels different and feels a bit special on these undercars. I mm-hmm. think.
1: Oh
0: yeah, does it? Uh, for sure. Um, what have we got here uh, next? So Jericho comes out. Still wearing the belt. Mm -hmm. Uh, While wearing the belt, uh, attempts to attack and unmask Hoovey, but in uh, a classic lucha bait and switch, has another mask on underneath, hits a uh, a seated missile dropkick, and Jericho flees. Yeah, it was fun. Fun
1: little build-up
0: to the match on Sunday. Yeah, a nice little kind of uh, postscript to remind you is like, this is the program going into pay-per-view. Absolutely fine on that count. Uh, Then we had the Outsiders and holy hell, Dusty Rhodes is wearing a hideous jacket uh, as he accompanied them to the ring. Uh, Versus Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, better known as...
1: I was going to ask you the same thing to see if you knew, but obviously you do. The uh, Beverly Brothers.
0: Yes, the Beverly Brothers. I was like, I heard... Like I heard the names, and I was like, Mike Enos kind of sounds familiar. And then I looked at their faces, and I'm like, they look very familiar. And I had to Google it, because it was ah, kind of gnawing Googled. away. Uh, but yeah, I, I probably would have gotten it eventually, but it's one of those things where I was just like, I don't fancy torturing myself very long, because I knew I recognized them from somewhere. But do you know what um, they are
1: also famous for? What? Do you know what they are also famous for? Hit me. So, in... Like, early 90s WCW, obviously the Steiners were notorious for their treatment of jobbers, alongside with Vader and Sid Vicious. Mm -hmm. So, WCW being the smart organisation that it is, would constantly come up with different names and different suits and masks for Enos and Bloom to wear on, like, Saturday night and stuff like that. And basically, the Steiners would beat up Enos and Bloom every couple of weeks under different names, They would be different mass jobbers every couple of weeks, basically, because they were the only ones willing to get in the ring with the Steiners and take some of their vicious fucking suplexes and bulldogs and
0: basically just get thrown around by Scotty. Uh, What is your, do you have any uh, favorite uh, jobber names going through the years watching wrestling? Because I have one that stands out a mile in my head. Go on, what, what's yours? So, I remember this guy from... He came out... It was... uh, It was on SmackDown. I think it was when they were doing that MVP. I think, yeah, when MVP was just beating random jobbers. And it was like... That was uh, during the period, again, where I think maybe it was around... The, no, no, it wasn't when Johnny Gargano showed up. But anyway... Um, a guy came out on Smackdown to be a, a jobber and his name was Yock Pliskin. <laughs> and I will never I'll never forget this because one it was fucking hilarious and two it almost caused because this was at a time where I both listened to the Brian and Vinny show and it was still very good at the time and the two of them nearly had a fucking nervous breakdown trying to figure out what this man's name was. I believe uh- names like Yock Pisskin came out. Oh, they couldn't figure what he was called, but I believe it was Yock Pliskin.
1: That that's definitely a unique name. Um, I think for me, I, I think it was in Smoky Mountain. Right. I, I, just from listening to Between the Sheets, obviously they do a lot of like old territory stuff, and I think it was Smoky Mountain had a tag team called Dave Keller and Wade Meltzer. <laughs> Which I thought was very good. Um, great stuff. But yeah, I also did. Have you seen the uh, Table for Three, the new one on the network with Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Ricochet? Uh huh. And you know, I'm going to say Gargano's uh, debut on. Smackdown. Oh,
0: as Cedric von Hausen, the yeah. Luxembourgian <laughs> prince. Yeah. I remembered that one. Um, that was great. The one I didn't remember was the Adam Cole cameo. Yeah, I had no idea about that one. Who was that in a segment with again? It was uh, Carlito? Cer- Cer- Serena Deeb. And, oh, uh, yeah, Serena Deeb and Punk, yeah.
1: And Punk comes along because he's been giving her a drink or whatever That's else.
0: right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I missed a straight-edge society, man.
1: Uh, let's not talk about those good times. Let's not talk
0: about good times because we got to continue with some bad times. Um, so before this match kicks off, the, the lads cut the promo, uh, the usual shit. Scott Hall does the survey. Um Kevin Nash takes the microphone and he says a thing. And I wanna see if you got a, the transcript I got of what he said. He sent a message to Six Pack. I did not
1: get this, and I didn't go back and rewatch it because I wanted to see that you get it.
0: Right. Lee. I'm oh, a man of my word. I watched this four times over. I knew and, you would. <laughs> and this is what I think he said and it makes the only reason I say this is what I think is because the actual sentence makes no fucking sense but that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't say it he said six pack you're my rubber hammer velvet baba
1: rubber velvet
0: say that again rubber hammer velvet baba that's what I got out of it
1: rubber hammer velvet baba
0: yeah, and this is not a guy who is imprecise. It's not like he slurs his words that much that I can't understand generally what he's saying. It's just the, the words he said and the order in which he said them were so bizarre that, I, I don't know, that I thought maybe there was a gas leak in my room.
1: That... I can't even think of, like, like you know I like something like they say slang things and they go, "Oh, I know what he's getting at there. I have no idea what he's getting at there. I
0: can't even <laughs> begin. There must be like an in joke on top of an in joke on top of an in joke with 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 six pack um hall <laughs> as this match kicks off, Hall hits a choke slam and does some uh, ten star impersonating and selling of the giant
1: because you have to when you do a choke slam you have to you know mock the giant.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate it. In the build-up to the last pay-per-view, Snickers sold out. Uh, And in the aftermath, uh, Kevin Nash was referring to himself as Big Sexy the Giant Killer. Now, bear in mind, I have never, on Thunder, heard Kevin Nash refer to himself as that. But still, on Episode 7, God Bless Lee Marshall is the only man that is still trying to make the phrase Big Sexy the Giant Killer happen. He says it two or three times, I think, during this short match.
1: He does, and he also says uh, Kevin Ash suffers for, from delusions of adequacy.
0: Yeah. Which is quite the put-down. It really is, like, such a fucking backhander. Like, you know, we all talk about uh, the, the great lines Brain has on commentary, but holy hell, like, Lee Marshall will sneak up on you. Um, um, the finish yeah. of this match is what I like to call a bureaucracy special as uh, not only does Kevin Nash hit the banned jackknife powerbomb but he also shoves the ref so a double fine for him there
1: so apparently he has now been fined $255,000 yeah. since Soldo.
0: I feel like we should probably keep a running tally but the thing about think... that is I bet they'll they'll kind of roll back the ban on the jackknife on an episode of Nitro and then never mention it on Thunder so we'll keep <laughs> counting it for months
1: <laughs> I loved uh, Nash hits the jackknife the match is obviously straight away thrown out and uh, Enos and Blue win by disqualification and yeah. Doug Dillinger and his motley crew of security men come out to arrest Nash Yeah. and Nash instantly gets out of the ring and grabs one of the security guards like he has a gun and puts his finger to his head and starts laughing maniacally
0: yeah Yes, like, this was a dude who, like, I, I don't know whether is that he just saw that this company wasn't long for the world. He was just like, I'm just going to have fun while I'm getting paid here. But he just did not give a fuck.
1: No, it's like, the more we see him on Thunder, you realize... Like, I know we've talked about this magical episode of Thunder where Kat Nash is on uh, commentary. Yeah. Towards the end of his booking, reign, I think it's his last night. Yeah. And it's quite clear that he does not give a fuck at that point mm-hmm. in 1998 Kevin Ash did not give a fuck at that point
0: <laughs> yeah he really didn't it's hard to think of a time where he did uh, but particularly not uh, at this point and it's only just going to get worse from here um, so then we have uh, back to Nitro as fucking here we go Brian Adams arrives in what I could only describe as a nonce jacket <laughs> like an ankle length uh, leather jacket before they were cool when the Matrix came out Uh, because I think the Matrix would come out I think
1: it's early 99 99 I think yeah yeah
0: yeah, early 99 I think we just passed the 20th anniversary of that Um, so it wasn't cool yet it was just creepy Um, (laughs) Brian Adams in, in his nonce jacket out to say he'll defend Brett and then immediately attacks him and joins the NWO
1: because, Wh- why not?
0: Which I don't think is the first time where someone pledged their cause at WCW and then immediately turned and joined the NWO in the same segment.
1: I'm pretty sure Bret Hart does the very same thing somewhere down the line.
0: Good stuff. Um, Rick comes out to save Bret and Clay's house, which is cool. The two guys, that were at Loggerheads last month, and it's like, oh, two icons of wrestling joining together to fight off the the, the weird heels and the pervert. Um, <laughs> then we have... uh, Rick Rude, Kurt Hennig, and Brian Adams out. No non at this time. Uh, Rude interviewing Hennig about the events of Monday. Bulldog and Jim Neidhart come out straight out of divorce, as Anonymous um, in their gear. Uh, Lots of men just shouting incoherently at each other here where no one has the mic particularly close to them. And everybody's really awkward and doesn't quite know what to say. And it's kind of like all kind of half cocked threats and stuff like that Uh, a brawl breaks out and i guess we just have a match now at which point brain says typical thunder which i think is funny because both that both that would actually turn out to be true that clusters like this would happen on thunder but also i think this is the first time something like this has happened in the run of thunder so we've got another psychic in bobby heenan here
1: um yeah, it's not like this happens on every show where a brawl just becomes a match. So
0: yeah, this felt very weird ECW line. in that sense, where it's like one segment, like a replay segment goes for an interview segment, which goes to a brawl, and then the brawl ultimately goes to a no contest. <laughs>
1: um, just to go back to one point you made, you said Bulldog yeah. and Nightheart look like they're the part of the Divorce Styles Club. Yeah. Can you imagine Jim Nightheart or Davey Boy in a full Batman suit climbing up a tower? to protest again you know for for uh, father's rights
0: I could see them in the gear climbing up a building but I would envision it more like when Rodney and Del Boy were dressed as Batman and Robin in that one episode of Only Fools and Horses (laughs) just putting it out there anyway
1: No, that's all I can
0: see (laughs) You're welcome for that. I've just made Jim Neidhardt and Davey Boy in 1998 entertaining to you.
1: Jim Neidhardt running down the road, stroking his goatee.
0: Yeah, the two of them had just freshly dropped a chandelier before they came out as well. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. The, the Steiners come out then to chat with Tanae very briefly, uh, which is notable for only one thing, and that was the man in the crowd who begins wildly flexing as the Steiners come out.
1: <laughs> Did you notice uh, Scotty's vest...
0: I noticed he was wearing one.
1: He was wearing a vest straight out of the Chris Jericho Year 2000 collection.
0: Oh, woof. I did, I did not notice it being that uh, you it need a sparkly number, and, was it? Oh,
1: you need to go back and look. It was a very disco-y, silver sparkly number.
0: Oh, I must check that out. Um, a line in here, again, Rick Steiner, a guy who does mumble, is kind of hard to parse what he's trying to say. So I got a line in here about, uh, what was this he said? It's easier to take a T-bone steak from a rabid dog than to take these belts from us. Which I guess for the dog fakes gremlin is a pretty like on-brand thing to say, so fair play.
1: Um, why do the Steiners have four belts? Why are they bringing, why do they have the fake belts?
0: I don't know. I would have thought once the outsiders lost the real belts and the fake belts that the fake belts would just go into the bin, but here we are.
1: It's all very confusing
0: Um, We have then You know For a show that has A lot of replays You know They replay a lot of stuff In fairness to them Which I didn't think When I tried to think back On Thunder I didn't think they replayed anything Mm -hmm. But Just as many things That they do replay There are other things That they just don't bother And really should have um much like that. Um replay of Savage and Lex being jumped from earlier on in this evening. Uh Tony then puts the tinfoil hat on and starts theorizing about them talking and how long they were talking for. As we go to our next match, which is LaParca versus Supercalo. Uh La Parca immediately <laughs> tries to waffle super Supercalo with a chair. Um this is the point at which I was just like, this show is being actively ruined by how distracted the announcers are. Like, I completely lost track. This during this whole period of the show, I kept losing attention because they fucking kept rambling about the fucking the getting jumped in the car park earlier on this evening. Um, it like they're so distracted, it distracted me. Is what I wrote in here. La Parka does the drop kick spill into the corner. One of my favorite little things the Doors do. Uh, he's really like. <laughs> It's amazing that Leparca appears in this match to be moving in slow motion. Even more amazing when you consider that 21 years later, he is still wrestling on a regular basis. uh, Where it looks like he was just ready to fall apart here in 1998. Uh, Disco out, at which point my eyes nearly rolled clean out of my head. Uh, He tries to get a chair in to uh, deal with Leparca. Leparca got the chair, murders Disco. Uh, after he wins and dances on the chair.
1: Yeah, did, did you notice the move that uh, Parker won with? What did he win with? It was like a, a like a somersault cannonball type thing. It was like a really weird kind of twist and dive hmm. which I did not expect to see La Parca do at all.
0: Yeah, fault. Um,
1: the only other thing of note I have to say is La Parka's white suit is pretty fucking swish.
0: Yeah, it is. Already a costume change Uh Seven episodes in. What a pro is Laparca, uh, keeping it fresh. Uh, but like,
1: like, like you said, like we're pretty deep into the show, and nothing of any significance has really happened.
0: No, uh, we get a recap then of the DDP Benoit video, which, in terms of its spooky tone and transitions of smoke, were rather unfortunate and grave in the way that they portrayed one Chris Benoit. <laughs> I felt very uneasy about this
1: Yeah Looking at it with 2019 eyes Is not good
0: Not good I don't think this would have been particularly great in 98 But yeah particularly galling in 2019 I will say Uh, Jericho is out the champ himself And he has a problem Uh, His problem is that Hoovey is ugly He looks like Quasimodo (laughs) He, uh, with,
1: with, he, which is a uh, kind of topical, considering what's happened in the other day this week.
0: Yeah, indeed. And would this have been around the time that Hunchback was out in, in, Ooh, in again?
1: possibly a bit later? Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, he's saying that he's uh, he's torn because he wants to retain his title and win. Obviously, he's a wrestler. He wants to win. He wants to win the mask, but he doesn't want to subject all the Jericho holics out there to Hoovy's face, which is very considerate of him. Um. Then we move into Jericho versus Malenko, and um, like speaking of ominous music, Jesus! Like <laughs> Dean Malenko's either uh, like because I can't remember if this is actual music or this is an overdub. It's serial killer music.
1: Oh, that's his actual music.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that, I that, thought it that, was, but I couldn't that's be
1: his WCW music.
0: Yeah, the the quality on the overdubs are varies wildly, so I can never mm-hmm. really tell. Uh, with some of them, but yeah, Jesus, it's fucking like it is proper serial killer music. Um it doesn't really fit, but oh whatever. Um
1: <laughs> I could make a Benoit joke, but I'm not going yeah,
0: to. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um it, today, absolutely they're they're going on now about Jericho and his constantly insisting on trying to wear the belt in his matches thing. And uh today buries him with the line uh he was wearing the belt in the restaurant across the street this afternoon, which I absolutely need segments vignettes of uh, Jericho in his day-to-day life refusing to take off the belt. Like, you know, oh. him kind of sleeping with the belt on, him showering with the belt on, him kind of doing the groceries with the belt on.
1: Oh, yeah. It, like, if if this was in WWF, like... Remember Crash Holly, like, going around wearing the belt everywhere? Yeah. That, that's what Jericho would have been.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jericho wins a pretty decent short little match uh, with a little cool... Uh, Malenko tries to roll through with a pin attempt. Uh, Jericho Mm -hmm. keeps rolling through, catches him in a lion tamer and taps him.
1: The most important part of this match, and it's a nice little callback for the show, the replay is sponsored by Snickers. Oh, man.
0: You're not with you when you're hungry. That's what I always say. (laughs) It would be around this time, I think, that the greatest Snickers ad of all time would have aired, maybe shortly after. Um, The one with the concussed football player thinking he's Batman.
1: <laughs> yes, that's brilliant. I didn't realise it was so long ago. Jesus,
0: yeah, it would have been late nineties, early 2000s. Sadly, before we knew that concussions weren't really funny, but you know, at the time, I thought yeah. it was one of the funniest ads I've ever seen in my life. Um,
1: well, I mean, you were only ten,
0: indeed. Yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't stu- studying the works of uh, uh, Chris Nowinski uh, at the time. Um, replay from Nitro. Of the flock, attempting to jump DDP and Benoit making the save, which is a nice kind of tagging up on the reverse, having happened on Thunder last week. We then get Raven and Saturn. Uh, was, no, yeah, Raven and Saturn versus DDP and is it Benoit?
1: DDP and Benoit.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because uh, sorry, I'd written Saturn twice here. <coughs> the match breaks down really quick from the start. Uh, maybe one of the biggest pops of the night here in this fraca that's happening. Uh, DDP hits an even flow on Raven. Mm-hmm. I-, I love I love a good steel finisher,
1: and it's like only the start of the match. Yeah, um, I, I'm just gonna say this is the best match we've seen on Thunder so far.
0: Yeah, in terms of a match that isn't just like a quick Goldberg's watch, like mm-hmm. actual proper bell to bell quality, this is definitely the best.
1: I I loved this match. I thought this was everything it needed to be.
0: Yeah, the crowd absolutely loving it. Uh, we take a commercial break. We come back from the break. There's a hot tag. DDP hits a flying clothesline immediately off the hot tag. Riggs comes out, uh, hits DDP with a chair near fall. Um, there was actually a re- it was a clever kind of like way he managed to hit him in the ribs through the ropes mm-hmm. without getting involved. <coughs> Excuse me, in the ring. Uh, another point at which I observed here, DDP just is such a star as Saturn has the heat on him the crowd is just they're they're fucking living and dying with DDP they're trying to get him fired up as best they can it's amazing and
1: even uh, Raven is in at one point and taking over on DDP and he sets up the chair for the drop toe hold but Hmm. DDP is like in the corner fighting off Raven and Saturn and he kind of stumbles out of the corner into the drop toe hold and it is the best Drop hold into a chair
0: we've seen so far. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, So at at this point, uh, when Raven is in the ring, the commentators happen upon an interesting theory that I now have to add to the list of rules of a Raven's Rules match. Uh, They are of the belief that in tag matches that feature Raven, the potential for it to be a Raven's Rules match (laughs) alternate based on whether Raven is, at that moment, the legal man. So...
1: So, to go back to the contract
0: negotiations... <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, please, yeah, take me back to the room.
1: <laughs> Obviously, Raven wouldn't have been talking about having a tag team partner because, you know, he's Raven and he's a loner.
0: Yeah, of course. So... Raven, a loner with a lot of people around him, but anyway.
1: Well, I mean, he's a cult, he's a cult leader. He's, you know, that kind of Jim Jones-esque type leader, and he has the Kool-Aid and all that kind of stuff. Indeed. Um. But, yeah, so Raven wouldn't have been talking about being part of a tag team so they wouldn't have tag team Raven mm Mhm. But obviously as soon as Raven becomes the legal man in a match, then it becomes Raven's rules.
0: Right. I I I guess I'm 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 going to you are the the uh, the WCW contract negotiation expert on the program so I will continue to defer to you on all these matters. <laughs> you better believe any time I have a question I'll go straight to you. Um so hot tag Benoit, this is great. They do a bit of hot potato with the chair, and he just punches the chair into Saturn's head, which I loved.
1: That was brilliant. Yeah.
0: Uh, Saturn gets DDP in the rings of Saturn, diving headbutt to break it up. DDP escapes the even flow, hits a diamond cutter, uh, and as that uh, on Raven, as that's happening, Saturn taps to the crossface. This was class, as you said.
1: And the the heat for this match, it was. Like I said, it was the best thunder match so far, and um, I thought the the crowd just added to it. Like it, like you said, they were living and dying by DDP. Yeah. But that that's not to say like Benoit was super over as well
0: absolutely and uh, associating the two with each other has been very good for Benoit over the last Mm -hmm. few weeks for sure
1: definitely brought up to DDP's level
0: because there's a guy who like as technically good as he was his career was littered with an inability to make that one last kind of layer of connection with the crowd that that Mm -hmm. made him a superstar um and that was something that would kind of go on for several years for him as a as a persisting problem. We are in the overrun. We're gone past two hours here before we start the main event. I believe it's five past the hour when this main event begins. Um, so I was not full of hope that this was going to be a match that happened.
1: Well, I mean, they, they promised Macho Man versus Sting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Two hours we've been waiting for that match. It's funny that in 2019 we so very recently complained about being promised one match on the, the, the raw after mania and then getting a bait and switch in the main event mm-hmm. as if that hadn't been happening for at least 21 years. Um, so instead of the match, Hogan and the NWO come out with Savage's corpse in a sting mask. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't help but laugh at this absurdity.
0: Yeah. Just coming out very again, very calm about, Oh yeah, there, yeah, there, it's happening. Um, at which point, I had to think to myself, so a group of men have been assaulting and kidnapping a member of staff for two hours, and we only found out that they still had possession of the body now? Presumably, like, Lex was in the treatment room earlier on, and Tanay, who was assigned the fucking task of finding out what had happened, surely it should have occurred to him at some point, like, jeez, I don't see Randy around here anywhere. I wonder where he could have gotten to the silly goose
1: it's just laughable it, there is no explanation for where Savage has been for two hours with nobody to actually help or inquire like you said yeah. where the fuck Savage has been brought
0: uh, Hogan on the mic to cut the see what did I tell you kind of promo uh, I really wish Hogan would stop saying the phrase NWO like it was a thing that was going to be a popular or easy thing to say
1: Um, obviously the whole NWO comes out with Hogan yeah. Did you like obviously Conan hasn't been a prominent part of the last two episodes, thank God. Um I've spent the first five or five weeks basically saying I'd never wanted to see him again. But did you see what Conan was wearing in this segment?
0: I can't say I did because at the point I noticed Conan was even there, I'll tell you what I got distracted by in a second, but tell me.
1: Conan was wearing a black what looked like a dress poncho.
0: You gotta have a poncho for formal occasions I was just gonna say
1: A very formal looking poncho And cream slacks
0: It reminds me of the There's a Dimitri Martin joke It's on a comedian That I was hoping to see last week But he had to delay his date until uh, Valentine's weekend next year In Dublin But anyway He had this line about how um, If you're going to be an optimist in life If you're ever asked a question Do you have a poncho with you? You must answer, instead of saying no, you would say, not yet. Because if you can find a sheet and a pair of scissors, you're 20 seconds away from a poncho at any time.
1: (laughs) That's very true.
0: But uh, I was distracted, uh, too distracted to notice Conan's appearance, because during this segment, I noticed a sign on the hard camera that said, and I believe, I quote this, free mustache rides. Do you know what the most curious part of this was, Lee?
1: Did he not have a moustache?
0: Uh, I didn't actually notice if he had a moustache or not. It would be actually very funny if he didn't. There was no women on the show. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I'm going to applaud the WCW fanbase base. Because you wouldn't expect that a man walking around with a free mustache sign, a free mustache ride sign, would be free of abuse. Uh, in Birmingham, but, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play, fair play. Um, but yeah, that had me extremely distracted. Uh, the level of creepiness and the realization that he was probably doing it to leer at women, and there was no women on the show, so he looked like a fucking idiot here uh, in the main event. Uh, then out comes Lex. Uh, The good guys clear house, and that's it. (laughs) That's your go home. As you mentioned, Sting came out as well first.
1: The typical big brawl, baby faces clear the ring, Savage never
0: moved. Yeah, this was, um, yeah, credits rolled then. Uh, This was a really bad show, man. This was
1: by far the worst show so far, but it also also had the best match so far.
0: Yeah, like, look, I'm not mad or upset like I was at the end of episode 5 when they ruined the the Benoit DDP match. I'm kind of just like, I was just tired. Like, it was two hours of, um, like, 100,000 things happening. Uh, usually, if it's a very frenetic show, if if loads of things are happening at the same time, you think to yourself, well, like, this is where you look for commentary to color in the details or to keep, you, to keep your thoughts straight and keep you focused on what you need to be focused on. But Jesus Christ, this was the most meandering, shite commentary performance we've had mm-hmm. from three up till now incredibly professional commentators. I was really let down by them.
1: Yeah, I think having that show-long story of Savage and Nougar talking
0: just yeah.
1: took took away so much
0: from the show. Yeah, I don't even think this was out and out in terms of, like, match quality, the worst of the Nitros, but I think that additional layer of the commentary making it so fucking hard to keep up with anything. Mm. Like, I can only imagine, I was taking notes, you know what I mean, throughout this show, as detailed as I could. I can imagine if you were just casually watching this show... Or worse, if we were trying to do this and recall it from memory.
1: I was just gonna say, like, if if I wasn't taking notes on this, and even despite the fact I took notes on this and wrote them down, in a day's time I'm not gonna remember what happened on this show.
0: Dude, by the time I hang up the Skype call on you I'm going to forget. <laughs> like I and I'll be relieved to forget. So like half the <laughs> stuff that happens on the pay per view is going to be a complete fucking surprise to me.
1: Well, by the time by the end of the last show, you had forgot that Prince I A K was on the show. So yeah,
0: yeah. What hope does this show have? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, who and is... still think of like there's a bunch of people that weren't on this show. <laughs> Do you know but what I mean?
1: I, I'm gonna get to that in a second. But who's your winners of the show or winner?
0: Um, I, I gotta say DDP again.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna say everyone in that tag match because yeah. it was just so. Molten and so over, yeah. And um, do you have a loser?
0: Uh, commentary team,
1: yeah. I'm not gonna argue with that one. I, I thought there was no like standout kind of wrestler as a, a big loser on this one, but yeah. Um, the commentary team, Joe Dowell, were just so bad. Uh,
0: what I was saying, I was going to get to here's a question for you where has Roddy Piper been? Yeah showed up like was it right before the pay-per-view he was on the pay or no he was
1: he on was the pay-per-view
0: we, yeah it was teased we were going to see him on walker texas ranger a couple of weeks before the pay-per-view he showed up on the pay-per-view and has been absolutely missing as has jj Dillon and mick Ambrose and anything approaching an authority figure from the wcw side of things which like look i'm not advocating for more authority figures in wrestling i think in 2019 i'm fucking sick of the concept but like when you have established that that is something you have, and when the W or the, sorry the NWO authority figure,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Eze is all over these fucking programs, you kind of are duty bound to represent the other side with the authority figure, I would think.
1: Yeah, like he needs to have a yin to his yang, and somebody to counterbalance him.
0: And hundred percent.
1: It it's just so weird that like Bischoff is like omnipresent and yet
0: shocker like
1: (laughs) alright I I know he's like part of the fucking management or whatever but like Hogan is on every show okay he's only cutting a promo most of the time but he's still on every show Sting has been on every show yet people like Flair has only been here or there Hart hasn't been on the shows all that much
0: yeah Um, maybe even be three shows
1: like it, it it's so weird, like the the people that are constantly on the show. Is, it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, Booker has only this might be his third appearance, and he was TV champ for six of the episodes of Thunder. Yeah,
1: like like we've seen Goldberg. Goldberg is stupidly over and should be on every show. Yeah, DDP is stupidly over and in the process of building that connection with the fans. Braven, mm. um, as as we said before, it's like I I'm guessing the flock and Raven are only used so much on the show because they're not getting any time on Nitro
0: yeah
1: you would uh, have to then, think
0: oh, like we said or things are even more congested than we thought
1: like Jericho Jericho gets a prominent role because he's a cruiserweight champion yeah it, and yet like I said like, there's no Piper there's no heart there's no Flair it's just very strange
0: yeah Ah. Uh. I don't know, man. It is like it's it's so fucking weird, and I just with the things we've been told about how bad this show gets, I'm just kind of like I'm I'm, I'm starting to dread it a little bit. But I, I like it'll be this period that I will hate the most—the period where there is good stuff and it's just being let down and kind of um, where you're just like, ah, oh, like why a year from now. Uh, on this show or maybe even less I, I can't remember how qui- how quickly and precipitously it drops off but when it gets to the point where like it's almost all just trash I'll be like yeah f- fucking whatever I'll be enjoying it again it's you this will have ad- intermittent you will have adjusted, period I hate it. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I'll ask you what I asked you before sold out. can you name the matches on the card at Super Bowl
0: oh here <laughs> um Right, so we have the the vacant world title, uh, Sting and Hogan. Yep. We have the Steiners versus the Outsiders. Yep. In the in the rematch of the the tag title. Um, that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It. We have. Um, Jericho, Hoovie Mask versus Title.
1: We do, yeah.
0: Uh, we have the the Benoit DDP rematch. Yep. We have Lex and Randy. Yep. Um, I
1: have I, I have two more.
0: We have matches. we have Booker's one or possibly two matches as well. Yep. And, and there's one
1: one more that we've heard about on Thunder.
0: Fuck oh is it fucking did I mention fucking Davey Boy and Mongo no is that on the show like I just assume because they were on like three segments the previous week
1: I don't know I haven't looked up the card I'm just going by what's been mentioned on Thunder
0: right yeah I was just going by what are the things they're at least attempting to push
1: I'd imagine there should be some kind of Bulldog Mongo match I guess we'll all find
0: out together in two weeks but uh, what, what else have you got
1: Larry and Spicoli
0: oh yeah course um how are your hype levels for this pay-per-view <laughs> need I ask
1: uh mm. uh well I know what happens in the outsiders steiners match yeah so I know that uh DDP Benoit with a bit of time could be good but I don't anticipate that it'll get much time yeah um Hogan Sting, it will be Hogan Sting. Macho Luger, I don't know what to expect. Considering they seem to be friends, kind of at this point. Hmm. Um, The possibility of two Booker matches, okay. The possibility of two Martel matches, not okay. (laughs) Um, Jericho Hoovy should be good.
0: Uh, (laughs) I think that should be good, as almost a question.
1: And Larry, well, I mean. Larry was the best wrestler in the world in January so yeah. hopefully he can deliver against Louis.
0: You would have to hope um, but yeah that's that's kind of us with our run into what will be our next episode in two weeks, uh, Super Brawl um, that's going to do it from a very dejected and low energy uh, Days of Thunder podcast um, WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter is where you should go to keep up uh with our latest comings and goings to get in touch with us with what you're thinking about the episodes or if any we're already starting to get the thing where if any wcw relevant stuff comes up we're getting tweets about it so appreciate that love getting in touch with the thunder buddies on there we have a good laugh on the on the twitter.com so please do keep sending your tweets in individually i'm at the day to dave and lee is at malone underscore 713 as i said two weeks from now we will return with our Super Brawl pay-per-view special so until then please everybody take a break take a breather <laughs> we'll be back for more see y'all later
1: bye
0: I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking I can see through the scars inside